Hey now, I'm Kenya. Yo, I'm Kendra. We're, we're twins. twins. We, we love music. And, and this, this is the story of the, the tapes. tapes. In this episode, we're finally getting back on track, continuing to tell the story of the tapes. We'll go through the music on the fifth mix in the set, Driving Down Black Pavement, The Magic Hour. And later in the show, I have the pleasure of interviewing a special guest. Share the Truth, a black woman, poet, and YouTuber who, like me, recently found the truth and love in the expertly crafted lyrics and stunningly powerful vocal performance of our good man, Hosey, Hosey. (laughs) on the Wasteland Baby album. Uh, As a reminder, we left off with me on the other side of seeing Hosey live for the first time at the Greek Theater here in L.A. back in the summer of 2019. Uh, And that experience really reinvigorated my creativity and gave me more motivation to try and finish the project and get the tapes made for him. Yes. Uh, and then we got sidetracked, uh, B, by <laughs> everything that happened after the hellscape that was 2020. We had the social and political unrest, obviously, that we've been talking about and everyone feels and knows. We had, of course, the pandemic, which is still ongoing. Still have the pandemic. <laughs> we had that fucking behemoth. Never-ending election. Kong versus fucking Godzilla election. Then we had the Capitol riot, the insurrection, which, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen all the videos. We felt we needed to comment on some of this stuff way back when in our last episode, you know, just kind of because we're two black women uh, living in America, obviously, so this stuff affects us. And also it kind of tied back to Hozier as an activist and an artist. Our last episode, way back, it feels like forever ago now, you know, we tied those things together and with protest music, um, and we kind of attempted to score what we see or saw and still see as the beginnings of a long-coming revolution in this country. It was an interesting take to try and flesh out on the show and I think we you know we, we did a decent yeah I think I think we did the best we could hope for considering the, the circumstances there's a lot of feels <laughs> a lot of things to <laughs> sort a lot out. of stuff to process and you know just honestly speaking for myself not necessarily always in the most creative mood or have the best energy to do something like this I couldn't have envisioned when we started this podcast last year at the beginning of the year right before the pandemic hit full force that it would end up like this but you know for the last five episodes of this first season of the tapes we're just going to be trying to focus on telling this story just finishing it up and and listening to the music, which is the most important part. We will have some good guests. I've got some, a couple of good guests lined up and uh, maybe more. We will We're reminisce. <laughs> Finally, somebody wants to talk We're to me. Official, you guys. People want to come on the show. Finally. And we'll reminisce on some good times that Kendra and I have had in our youth. Always tying that back to just our, you know, experience with music and making mixtapes. And and near the end of the season, we'll tell you guys what's in store for our next season. That is the plan. I hope that 2021, (laughs) you know, you know, the universe of plans. I don't even know that's that's saying, but it's fucked. Wheels at the, I don't know. Uh, Jesus, take the wheel because I do, I want to wrap this up around the time, the first anniversary of the podcast and the second anniversary of. Of Wasteland Baby near Hozier's birthday once again. So I'm excited and uh, let's get started. So in November of 2019, feels like forever ago, we went to New York for Thanksgiving and we were treating ourselves because we were seeing our mom, our best friends who all still live in New York and Hozier and this whole ass Tom Hiddleston play that we went to go see. Uh, <laughs> the hell was the name of that play? It was, it's called Betrayal. Betrayal. And we had a, we had a trip. That was, that was a pretty good a trip. trip. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll, we can start with where you were at in the project with the tapes by the time we made it to New York. So something about me is it's kind of a twofold thing. I will be such a perfectionist that I am afraid to complete or try to complete something because I'm afraid it's not going to be good enough. You know, self-doubt. It's all like not what it was in your head. Same shit that was tripping me up over the summer. Like, even though I got that fresh boost of inspiration, it was like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It's not good enough. Why would, why? (laughs) <laughs> it's one thing to be a fangirl in like your own little bubble, but yeah. then when like you step outside of that bubble and you're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm sharing. Yes. And I don't do like I don't do stuff like this. You know, a long time ago, like I don't I don't want to go to a place and try to meet a person and I don't want to be giving gifts and trying to get selfies. I don't want to do I never want to do that stuff. I'm an introvert that just goes against my introverted nature. 
But you have gone out of your I way have done to it. And, see and your and every least... time I have done it. I've been like, why are you doing this? Just live your normal ass life and let these people be out here doing what they're doing. Wait, sidebar, sidebar, though. Do you remember that time you were telling me you had gone to, I think it was, um, what was that festival in New York? Tribeca. Tribeca. And you about Rupert Grant? <laughs> yes. And you were like, you're you, and I'm you're all stoic and like, like normal, yeah, you and know. you found yourself surrounded by these fucking teenage fangirls, yeah. and you just sort of yes. slipped into, yes. oh my God, yes. Rupert! Yes, girl, yes. You know, I'm a, I'm a Daniel Radcliffe fan. I'm a Harry Potter fan. I love Rupert Grant, but like, not like that. I went to go see his little movies, like, you know, support him or whatever. But I was like, you know, I'm I'm grown-ass Kenya. I'm not going to be out here screaming and hollering for no little boy. But, then, but this motherfucker got out the limo, and I was like, Rupert! <laughs> just like, I lost my fucking mind because everybody around me was losing their mind. It's a chemical. It's a hive mentality. Yeah. I don't know what it yes. is. So I guess I had been inspired by people who were making things for Hosier. People who have that kind of talent that would draw, that would make songs, that would do all sorts of things to sort of show him their appreciation. And I was like, okay, let me try. You know, like I like making mixes. I've always wanted to be a DJ and I love music and I know he loves music. We've been through this before. Before. We, I've said this well, already, it's but been a minute, more pressure. Yeah, so so the point I was at by the time we got to New York in November, I had slipped back into that kind of. I don't think I should finish this because it's stupid type. Because it was so close to the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then there's the flip side of it. It took time and effort to do what I had already done. I I would tell myself, okay, but you spent all this time. You spent a little bit of money. You've put all this effort into the, doing this. Why would you not finish it? I had bought those tickets to see him in New York at the Hamilton Ballroom. He had a one week residency there and we were going to go to the last, the very last <laughs> show of that residency. Damn. I didn't realize it was his last show. Yeah, it was the last show, which was fucking perfect. It was perfect, but then also at the same time, I was like, I did not plan that properly. And the whole time we were there, like that that whole, like, I think we were there for like a, a little over a week, a week, uh, like... It's a strange week. Yeah. The whole time I was like, I should probably go to one of the earlier shows afterwards and try to give him this at that point. Did you say that out loud? Because I, I feel like I would have agreed with you. I didn't say it out loud. I, I, had, I was thinking it because I was like, because I know myself. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be hours. And am I really going to feel like waiting for him after a show? Nigga, that's your instincts. That's your Man, inner voice. I that's your listened. shit telling you. <laughs> I should have listened gut. to my damn instincts. Bitch, are you really going to do this? You really going to stand outside for hours? Girl, go ahead, girl. girl, girl. Tell your story. Go, 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 go. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was excited and I was determined. I was like, I'm going to finish this because at that point I hadn't even finished recording the tapes onto cassette. I kept rearranging the mixes and I was just trying to get them perfect. I was trying to get them cut down. Actually, the tape we're going to talk about today, I had trouble cutting down the B-side because the every fucking song, I'm like, oh, but I want him to hear this. But, but they're all like seven or eight minute long tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, but also, I'm sure he's probably heard a few of those songs before. I, I, I don't know. That's another thing. By that point, pick and shoot. when this idea was fresh and I was as fresh as a spring chicken, I was like, I want to pick songs that maybe he doesn't know. And, you know, he really, but, but around this time, I was like, man, fuck, I don't care if he's heard this before. Like, how many times could he possibly have listened to it? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a vibe here. Right. Because it's not really about like, have you heard this before? I'm going to put you on yeah. this. It's about you kind of conveying. Creating a vibe how you feel about to the music. theme you know communicating to him in some sort of way with the song choices and you know i was feeling my oats with these mixes like <laughs> i'm like oh i love these mixes and every time i listen to them of course the perfectionist in me is like man you should go back and like really tweak this and you know put change that here put that there but but you know i'm not gonna change because they are on spotify you know i'm uh, you can see that I've made edits to the, each playlist up until about uh, up until November, <laughs> quite frankly, right when we were there. <laughs> but but then I was like, you cannot change these anymore because this is once this is on tape, I, I, I wanted to just live on tape. So also I 
had these tape covers designed. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. Because, they were really great. Because I was like, I don't want to give him just some raw ass cassette tapes with some <laughs> pen, you know, like with a writing and pen. Why like, does he care? He's got a tour bus. And but you know, when people make these things for these people, they are very intricate. Like one of the gifts he got was this little book that a group of his fans made with poetry and drawings. And I was like, I don't want to give him these mixes just raw like this. Uh, whatever. They're great mixes. <laughs> what the hell does he care about? some pretty packaging that nigga's stanking on a tour bus you know what i'm saying like he's just like oh i'm gonna listen to this while i drive thousands of miles back to- i don't know you know what i mean but yeah. I, I i hear what you're saying i, I kind of i just I, it was something that i was like okay i'm going to try this i hope that it works because there's a theme and i feel like what i asked for in the design illustrated the theme there's a through line of synth and synth wave and a lot of retro music because you and i are really into that type of music my favorite era of music is the post-punk era right when we moved to New York Mm -hmm. and and you know we were really getting into music and going to live music and I was trying to blog we'll we'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. Uh, but we really love synth music and synth wave and like that that anything with that retro kind of feel and and especially when they run a shit yeah when it when it comes to conveying like a vibe I feel like that's like the strongest (laughs) that's the strongest I can definitely one of the strongest vibes for me and most recognizable vibes out there this the whole retro post-apocalyptic cyberpunk Mm -hmm. you know fucking what was the movie outrunning yeah Yeah. there's there's like these mad max that shit there's these sort of wheelhouses there's you know the synth wave the retro wave outrun music like um kavinsky like everybody knows kavinsky that type of stuff and i feel like i had the most fun with this tape and the next tape in the set because he's a blues, jazz, soul, alt rock guy. But, and I'm sure he has listened to to this type of music, but I'm like, I had the most fun putting these tapes together because I was like, this is something that I really want him to hear. That's something he might not listen to every day. What I love about the mixtapes is that they are not only really like a collection and sort of like a reflection of who you are as a person through your musical influences and inspirations and stuff, mm. but it's also, it is essentially like a road trip through genres yeah. and eras. And it's it's almost scenic in the way that you- I was trying. Arranged uh, tried. the tracks and everything. I, I, I think you did a really good job and you know, you're comparing yourself to, you know, chicks with drawings and stuff. That was their lane. <laughs> you know, this is your lane. You you're a huge music nerd, and I don't know. I just kind of feel like it does. It wouldn't matter if it, they had awesome covers or if if they were just plain. I think once he got through the experience that you created for him, then he would get it, regardless if it had a pretty picture on it. But the 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 covers for the tapes were really great. Yeah, so shout out to Danny, who you Danny. used oh to work God, with. To she was a designer, you know, that you work with. And I was like, oh, I need somebody to help me design. Yeah, she's like great. Like cassette tape covers. Because I was like, maybe I could just like Photoshop something. But I was like, nah, if I'm going to do it, let me just, let me do it. So just a piece of trivia. The episode art and our series key art is derived directly from those designs that Danny did for the cassette tape covers. And they differ per episode because it, it, it's literally the cover of the tape that we're talking about. Um, and, and I had like, I think I had four themes for each tape. So the four themes were Dawn, so that's the the sunrise. You go into dusk, then you go into night, and that'll be on the next set of tapes. And then you go into what I call the void, which is there's no moon and it's right before the sun comes up. Oh. So it's like it's like that time like after like midnight, say, the and the moon is starting to shift away. That those tapes I'm really excited to get into because it's it it has my sleep tape. Pre dawn. Yeah, pre-dawn, something like that. It's called the Void, and the and the design for that tape is really cool. It's it's like grayscale. I I, I love it. Is it called the Void because you called it that? Yeah, just just that's, right, that's well, what I call it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, yeah. So the designs for the tapes, I had them. They were there, but I didn't have them printed out to actually physically put with the cassette and and I was you know I was like I didn't have time to send it somewhere and get it and get them printed and sent back to me 
Because I drug my feet. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know. Such a fucking lazy boots. But that lazy boots is really my executive dysfunction and, you know, insecurity. So, um, so yeah, I was like, oh God, you know, I can't even get the ringing cassette tapes. And I, and I needed to have it printed out on like the good cardstock. So I was panicking about that up until the last minute. And Elisa Lopez, our best friend and sister who is also in New York, you know, Whiz. she came to my rescue. She's an artist and she has a lot of art, uh, artist friends. And one of which worked at a print shop. Thank you, Jesus. Because she was like, yo, I can help you. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Elisa is so resourceful. She really is. We suck. (laughs) (laughs) We fucking we are such thumbs, girl. (laughs) Elisa's a a hustler. Like she's resourceful, resourceful for a New Yorker. Like she builds things out of nothing. Like that is that's why she's such a great artist too. So shout out to Elisa, girl. Thank you so much for helping me with that shit because I was fucking stressing. I was like, if I can't get these damn covers printed out, it's not happening. I'm not doing it. (laughs) It's a wrap. It's a fucking wrap because he's not getting them like this. If you ever listen to this, I hope you know what your fans go through to impress you. Man, in the back of my very, like, realistic, pragmatic-ass mind, I was like, this shit ain't happening, bro. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's not happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still had that that's why doubt. You, that's why it didn't. Girl, it didn't because my damn feet hurt, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I just want to say we're not going to talk about the concert on, on this episode. That'll be next episode. But I just want to say that, like, I was literally recording those the tapes right up to the minute of the concert. I don't know if you remember this because you were working. You were working in the city. Mm-hmm on the same train line as the venue. And I'm going straight to the venue like she a clown. Was, I was like, no. <laughs> standing in the crowd with my and wig. We, and remember, we were staying with mom nose. in the Bronx. So I was at mom's house in the Bronx because I had worked oh from God. home that day. Yeah. Because I was like, I got to stay here because I got to get ready. I'm still recording these tapes. So I I was still recording. And I was like, because, because it had taken so long to get the the covers and I always do that I always stop myself from progression until the very last minute I have to talk myself over the ledge so to speak just to jump so that I can fly and I was really dragging 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 my feet so finally I got all the shit into the cassette covers or the cassette covers into the cassettes and I was finishing up the last tape and I was trying to get ready at the same time and it was hot and I was sweating and I was trying to do my makeup and put my hair and a bit boop. I don't know why I decided to wear and these are the low I wore these heel boots like a dope like these heel suede heel boots and it was like the lowest heel because you're in New York and you're trying to look cute I was trying to girl I was trying to look cute but it was a bad idea uh, <laughs> because that was ended up being my downfall at the end of the night. And I didn't get to, I did not get to record the last tape. So I was like, he going to get nine tapes instead of, <laughs> instead of ten. <laughs> I like, he going to get nine tapes instead of ten. That's cool. It's cool. Odd number, motherfucker. Yeah, whatever. I was like, I'm not, I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> so I was like, he going to get this. He going to take it and get it and like it and just, uh, get it out of my face and it's fine. I'm done with it. So I've rushed out of the house to hop on the train to meet you at Hammerstein Barroom. I had asked you to just go in with the crowd and try to get as close to the front because it's a standing room venue. I don't know who would choose to go into the balcony. I don't know who would choose to do that. But I'm not a young. Then, a a so person probably who older wants people. to sit the fuck down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was about ready to abandon your ass by the, the, know, the third to last song. I was like, how many, how I long? Know, My foot. <laughs> My foot hurts. <laughs> Wrap it up. (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) Can't do this to me. Holy shit, girl. And so that is like where we were at at that point. Kendra was in the venue with the youngins as close to the, I think we were like four, four rows back, four rows of people back. As close to the stage as possible. I am in the Bronx sweating, trying to hurry up and get my ass on the train. Um, I abandoned one tape. (laughs) <laughs> like, I was like, it's going to be nine instead of ten. Anybody who lives in New York or or has been or spent any time on public transportation in New York, just think about the tippity top of the Bronx. Oh, yeah. To the Hammerstein Ballroom on 31st yeah. Street. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah, that's 31st. What, 31st or 32nd. Just yeah. think about that trip. Mm-hmm. That's, old, that's over two hours. 
you know, it didn't About take me. Hours. It depends on what train line you're riding. It it didn't take me two hours. It it took me like an hour to get there. But you know, it was you know, train traffic was pretty great that night. Thank. God, that's basically what happened that night. And so next episode, we'll talk about the fucking show because it deserves its own thing. It was a great show. He always puts on a great show. And like, I actually had an even better time, even though my fucking back was about to twist into a (laughs) knot. Um, I had a better time. I had an even better time at that show than the one we did here at the Greek theater. Yeah, it was. We were closer to the stage and I could see him and all his little quirks and idiosyncrasies and his little things and you know i had a really good time okay so let's talk about the tracks on this mixtape so the magic hour refers to it's sometimes called the golden hour um, and this is the period of daytime shortly before sunset during which uh, daylight is redder and softer this is like right i love that you're explaining what? The golden hour. You're such a nerd. It's sunset, basically. <laughs> basically, what I'm saying is it's sunset. It's that whole, it's the time when the sun is setting. It's called the magic hour, but it doesn't take that long for the sun to set. But it's like, you know, when the when the sky does that thing where it seems like. Like in, like in movies. Yeah, it does a thing where it seems like down. there's another world on top of the one yeah. that you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like splits the sky up. Yes, um, very pretty colors. Uh, so it's that ma- magic time of the day. And that's right before night falls. And, you know, like the dark is coming and the sun is meeting the moon and they're switching places. <clears throat> so uh, Wasteland Baby, for me, expresses plenty of both light and dark, like sentiments. That album is very much looking at the end of the world through the lens of being in love and with a wry sense of humor, like a, a dark sense of humor. So when I was making this tape, I was like, I'm just going to try to find that balance in the music in this, you know, the mix of songs. And so for me, this is sort of like the perfect set of songs to listen to during that time, the magic hour, the golden hour, uh, while the sun is setting. And, you know, you might you might find yourself at peace. It's kind of like disco-y. It's kind of like some funk and some R&B, but mostly it's like synth. Now, why, why out of curiosity, why did you choose a genre that is so full of energy for the idea of something like the magic hour? Because I don't know, just me personally, it's so, it's, when I'm listening to this music, it's, it's like my happy place. It's like, it's like a recharge for you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like charging a battery. You know what I mean? Like I'm zoned out. I'm zen. I'm just feeling, I hate to use this word again, but just vibing. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's another tape in the set called Vibes, but it's a different kind of feel. That one's mostly R&B genre. But this for me, I don't know why synth is such, such an it just, sound. it really, really is. Like I love it so much it, because it, it just lends itself to almost anything. For you. It just give. I don't know about you, but it, it immediately gives me a sense of maybe not time, but a sense of place. Yeah. Like, uh, regardless of whatever the environment is that I'm in, when I hear that kind of music, it just kind of, I don't know I've said that, whatever, you know, it's music. So you just get transported. Yeah. And my favorite place to teleport is into synth. And synth is really good driving music. It's, yes. It's perfect driving music, in my opinion. And that's why so many people make like, quote unquote, night drive playlists and all of that. And actually, a lot of these tracks originated on playlists that I made for drives. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had playlists called Day Drive. I had a playlist called Night Drive. And I just sort of pulled reference from those playlists for Which these I got this playlist called Desertronic. Mm. Oh, you need to hook me up with that. So the first song is <sighs> What Did My Lover Say by Wolf Parade. And a lot of these songs are going to be tracks that I've been with forever. <laughs> like, just, and they are always on repeat. Wolf Parade is one of those bands that kind of came out just after the post-punk revival, like right in that sphere. <clears throat> I never really time. got into, like, really into Wolf Parade, but I, I They're do, a really great band. You know, their singles and this song, I, I really love this song because it's just like, it's just like, dunk, 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 dunk. it has a lot of punch. <laughs> like, this, yeah, it has, it's punchy. Punch. Yes. So, this is just kind of like, you know, it's what, what I call it a bop. It's a bop for me. This is, this is something that I move with. And, 
like I said, like this time that I'm picturing in my head that, you know, you're driving and you're listening to it, it's just like this. But because a lot of people, you know, they don't like driving, they don't like road trips. And this is just kind of like so... It has so much energy. This reminds me of being on the road when it's late and you're starting to fall asleep or you're starting to get a little tired. So what do you do? Like you turn on the air conditioning or you roll down the windows, get some wind in your face and you turn your music up so you can like stimulate your brain just so you don't like, (laughs) you know, nod off. Like this would be a song where I'd be like, what did my lover? (laughs) Oh God, I gotta wake up. Yeah. Anyway. It's really kind of perfect because the first two lines are, what did my lover say? when she was driving with you and I could not see her face from my new bed and it and it's, it's, it's basically like I guess these two people have their lovers outside of each other and basically he's asking hey what did my lover say over there with you while I'm over here with this person and it's very salty this song <laughs> I feel like and it's just like it, it's it's it was gonna go this way, you know. It was—it's kind of like <clears throat> somebody that I used to know before somebody that I used to know. Oh, uh, that's how I interpret it. So hmm. this kind of thing is right in in Hosier's wheelhouse because he likes playing with those kinds of concepts and themes as as it pertains to love and relationships. Just kind of like thinking of the other person either that you had to let go of or that you can't let go of. So you're with someone else, but you're questioning their lover about what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Salty. Who the <laughs> hell does shit like that? <laughs> so that's Wolf Parade. It's off their album Expo 86, and it came out in 2010. It's alter- alternative indie rock, and it just has the feel of synthwave for me personally. Ooh, this next one. Yeah, it's my shit right here. Yes. So the next song is, um, the next song is Life What You Make It, and it's by Talk Talk. Um, Talk Talk. I love fucking Talk Talk. I don't even know if these dudes are still alive, but I really (laughs) love their, their music. This is a song that when I first heard it, it just kind of like leaped out of the speaker system. And there, I always mark my music listening by these milestones, these songs that I will grab hold of and not let go of. Did I introduce you to the song? I feel yes, like I you did. did. Yeah, you did. Victoire. You did. <laughs> and I will give credit where indication. <laughs> I will give. <laughs> I will give credit where credit is due. So this song was released in 1986, and that was like three years after we were born. But it's just something that we found later on in life, and I really love it. It's 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 bombastic, and it also has a lot of fucking life's energy. Yeah, yeah, man, it's got a great message too. Like life's what you make it. Boom. Yeah, so it's literally can't escape that. You can't escape that. You can't escape life. People are always thinking about yesterday, about the past, about rewriting history. But this is life. This all you got to do is look forward. forward, Yeah, look forward. You have to celebrate now. You have to anticipate. Yesterday's faded. It's gone. Forget about it. Um, and I really like this as, as uh, an addition to this, with this theme of traveling, of moving, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. you are looking forward, you're focusing on that horizon and it's the magic hour. And what a perfect time for you to realize your rear view mirror is like, don't get that out of your head. Focus on what's in front of you. Um, so yes, I really love this song. I really love Talk Talk.
So the next song is uh, this song called A Distant Science by this artist called The Aku. So The Aku is a French artist and he was sort of like trying to make it in, in New York on that scene. I mean, it's off the album called Ghost Youth and it's a, a early 2000s release, but his way of singing and the composition of his songs really stuck with me because I thought it was like one of the more unique sounds that were coming out of that New York City scene. I remember one of the things we talked about was the fact that people are always comparing his the way he sung to Madonna. Huh? And it was like, uh, no, no. I don't know. And we were both like baffled about where that came from. And he, so he's a, an artist that has always stuck with me and I always go back to his EP and that one album that he released and listen to the tracks there. And I included it here because I feel like even though an artist like that might be lost to time or lost to a moment, I, I feel like sharing that music with other people is still important to pay that forward. And this song, Distant Science, is one of the best songs on that album and I feel like you know it fits it fits the moment it fits a good sunset I gotta listen I gotta like add this to some some of my many hundreds of goddamn playlists <laughs> I know I girl, love we, playlists for everything fucking it's describing love and relationships as a science and it's a distant science it's something that we can't quite grasp like we have the periphery of it we have the idea of it but it's not something we can quantify it's not something we can solve it's it and it's always going to be like a mystery love love is the it's one thing yeah that we can't quantify but it exists and it just has uh, real effects in the universe I did an interview with a black woman. She is a poet. She is a lover of music. Her handle is Share the Truth, and that's S-H-E-R, Share the Truth. And I just, at midnight, when I was on one of my insomnia, like sleep deprived, like fucked up sleep schedule binges. Um, you know, it's COVID girl. Everybody's in the same boat. I found her reaction to the album Wasteland Baby and she did the whole album and it was in one sitting. Yeah. God damn. It was about 59 minute video. And I was like enraptured by this video because this woman basically is me. She is me listening to this album. I knew who Hoja was. I had heard his first album, tracks off his first album. Um, but this album really kind of like put me in my feelings. His voice, all the things that she was saying and expressing. When I heard Wasteland Baby for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, I was like, oh my God. Oh, and these lyrics. Oh, bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> it's great to talk to a fellow Hozier fan, a fellow Black woman Hozier fan, and a poet who she really deconstructed and broke down his lyrics. Finally, somebody agreed to talk to me on this damn podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm stressed the fuck out. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I like your YouTube channel so far. You've got a lot going on. How long have you had it? Uh, well, I started posting like randomly every couple of months, like a long time ago. But then it wasn't until six months ago that I started consistently posting the reactions and the reviews and stuff. And my first, well, before that, like a, a, two years ago, I had posted some stuff on beer just to kind of like get my, see like how it is. Cause I always used to watch these reaction videos. Mm -hmm. And then 
with the pandemic, like six months ago, I decided, let me just start consistently posting stuff. And it's been great ever since. I mean, it's consistently getting subscribers. So we'll see. (laughs) So your handle is share the truth. Correct. And you have a blog? Yes, I do have a blog, sharethetruth.com. I don't post on it. I'm going to try and start posting on it again too, but I kind of fell off on that. So it's been mostly focusing on YouTube lately. But the idea for it just kind of started because I feel like poetry is my truth. So I feel I started doing that like in my blog, it's going to be my truth. So it's the truth inside of you and then share. Is there anywhere outside of your blog that we can find your writing? Mostly on my Instagram, I'll post videos and stuff. Also, I'll I'll be posting a little bit more on my blog, but I'm going to be posting some really interesting videos on my poetry soon. So uh, my sister does videos. So we're kind of actually in the process of planning out a really nice, almost like a music video, but for poetry. So that's coming. Yeah. That's cool. Usually I, my goal is to write a book eventually and, you know, promote that through my channel, but that hasn't happened yet. But that is one of my goals is to have a book out. But usually... If it wasn't, um, you know, the times that we're in now, I usually go to like different shows and things. I do a lot of poetry shows. So I have been trying to speak to different Hosier fans, particularly Black women Hosier fans, about this album, I think, for just a while now. And I saw your reaction review of Wasteland Baby that you posted, I think, a little over a week ago, last Friday. And it was like midnight because I have insomnia. Um <laughs> usually up uh, from like midnight to 3 a.m. And I just watched this reaction to this album, which actually is more in-depth than I've seen a lot of other reaction reviewers do. And the fact that you're a Black woman and a poet was just extremely unique. So I really appreciated your sort of deconstruction of his lyrics and the insight that you had into the references that he made. So the first thing I want to ask you, just going back to your writing, can you tell me, have you always had this sort of love for an appreciation of music as far as lyrical content is concerned? Like, how does your love of poetry tie into your love and appreciation for music? They're so intrinsically linked together. Like, it's crazy. Most of the times when I write, it's with music in the background. Yes. So everybody always tells me, like, my poetry is very rhythmic. And I've been told to sing so many times. I'm like, I, I don't sing, but I'm so connected to music that it inspires my writing so much. And I have poems that I've wrote based on a song that was kind of a jumping start from it. Um, Instrumentation is huge for me. I'm huge into bonobo, very ambient electronic music, but I also love blues and I love like, you know, Billie Holiday and, you know, artists like that that have stories to tell. Because when I listen to music, I listen to the lyrics first and foremost. And everything else is just the frame for it. I feel like the lyrics is the center point for music for me when I listen to it. How did you come to the decision to start uh, reactive reviewing to songs and not just in a way where you're listening to the music, but that you're actually evaluating the lyrical content? Well, I noticed that when I was doing my reactions, it was just something I naturally did. Like one of the first reactions I made this year was the Fiona Apple Fetch the Bolt Cutters album. Yeah, I love that album. It was amazing. I love it so, so much. It's my number one album of the year. So I'm listening to it and I'm paying a lot of attention to the instrumentation, but I'm also talking about the lyrics and the lyrics blew me away. And so I would make all of this commentary about the lyrical component of the album. And I started getting comments like, I love the fact that you really understood what Fiona Apple was trying to say in this album. And I said, of course, like that's like one of the number one things I listen to. And then the really big turning point for me was listening to Taylor Swift's folklore album. And she had a lot of poetic elements in there. And me being a poet, I just noticed them and I said stuff about them. Right when I was about to upload my video, I said, you know, I mentioned a lot of poetry and poetic elements in here. Why don't I call it Poet Reacts? Because, you know, YouTube, they have all this stuff like- The algorithm. Music teacher reacts, makeup <laughs> yeah. artist reacts, uh, yeah. hairstylist reacts, uh, producer reacts. And so it's a big trend on YouTube. And, you have to kind of like know what the algorithm is talking about. And I yeah. said, why don't I do Poet Reacts? Because I do mention a lot about poetry and poetic elements. I'm really impressed by the poetry of the album. And so I put that in there. And that was my first video to really do a lot of views. And the first day, I think I got maybe like 30, 20,000, 20,000, 30,000 views. And I said, wow, this is really working. And that was when 
I kind of got down that rabbit hole of being like, this is what my channel is going to be about. And it's so perfect because that's literally my personality is I love poetry and I love music and I love lyrics. So it's just, it fell together so well. That's so great. Immediately it stood out to me, Poet Reacts, because I consider him to be a poet. He's always writing outside of his music poetry. He reads poetry. So in talking about music, you have a very eclectic mix of music appreciation that you have on your channel, I noticed. And I did just watch your top 10 albums of 2020, and it is a good mix of genre in there. And so I wanted to know if you have a favorite genre or even era of music. Oh, that's a good question. I'm huge into singer-songwriters, and I feel like the 90s had some of the best singer-songwriters and so that era for me is so special. Like uh, lately I've been listening to, um, you know, a little bit of Jewel, a little bit of Ani DeFranco, you know, Fiona Apple came out around that time, end of the 90s. I'm also huge into Tracy Chapman, which was towards the end of the 80s, but also bled into the 90s as well. So that is like, that's my genre, singer, songwriters. I can listen to a guitar and voice. That's my jam. So I love, love, love that. But like you said, like, I am really expansive. I am all over the spectrum when it comes to music. As I feel like you should be. I've run into people who are, who listen to music, but they are not really, I don't want to say the word passionate because not everybody is passionate about music, but it's not, it's not a thing that's a big deal to them. And it's unfathomable to me because music sort of takes up almost every facet of my life. I use it to create, like you said, you, you use it to create. So, so I love it when I come across, especially another black woman who's so appreciative of the spectrum of music that just exists in the world. Because first of all, our people fed the creation of so many types of music. It's insane. Um, it's also another thing I appreciate about Hozier. So let's talk about Hozier because this is a fan cast and we're supposed to be talking about Hozier. First thing I want to know is, had you come across him before you decide to, to review this album? And, and then why did you decide to review this album? Like, how did Wasteland Baby come to you? Well, I think it's really important to listen to what your audience is asking for, from you on your channel. So really, all, almost all the videos I've done on my channel have been through recommendations. Okay. And so I got a lot of comments from people passionately requesting for me to react to, to Hosier. And I, I said, okay, let me just give it a <laughs> shot, shot. And I hadn't really heard from him other than take me to church, you know? Okay, so you have heard take me to church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a friend that had posted about him. And I think I maybe had watched like five seconds of him singing and little clips here and there, but I never really took the time to dive into his material. So I was really intrigued and excited to finally get the chance to listen to him. Do you do deep dives on artists? Like, do you have, I call it hyperfixation, where you'll go into this sort of, I have to know everything about this person and what they create. So I don't know. I mean, like, I, obviously I've done that with Hozier, but I've done it with other people too. Like, is that something that you find yourself doing if you really, really hone in on somebody? Yeah, I do. I definitely do that. That's totally me. <laughs> Actually, I went on um, his face on his um Facebook, um, his Instagram page and noticed that he read poetry and some of the stuff that he's very interactive with his fans. So I'm so much like that. Um, I've had to kind of stop myself and be like, no, I want to do this for my channel. So I can't, I don't want to listen to it yet. But even during this pandemic, all I've been doing is going on deep dives on different artists. So I do that all the time. So you, you've seen that he has read poetry to his fans. He writes poetry. He'll share like snippets of lyrics or whatever. One of the things I wanted to ask you, if, if, because I, I think you might have mentioned in your reaction that it seemed like he really took his time writing. I wonder if it surprises people when they listen to the output that it took its time. So would it surprise you to know that it took him about mm, two, or, two or three years to write that album? I've, I mean, I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me um, because... Does it feel like it when you're listening to it? Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel the, the, the amount of research and reading it took to make the album. And he comes across someone that's very well read, someone that's influenced a lot by both literature and music. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And stuff like that, I mean, that takes time for your mind to take grasp of all this information and then turn it into art that isn't like overwhelming, but still accessible. 
So how do you feel about Wasteland Baby? Have you listened to it again since you reacted to it? Where would you place it sort of in your ranking of albums? I know it came out in 2019, so not necessarily in the rankings of recent albums, but just in your own personal catalog. Oh, gosh. Um, it would definitely be up there. It'd be, you know, it's hard to say if it's not by year, but if it, if I had done my ranking for 2019, it would have definitely been in the top three, for sure. Because I feel like it's not only just the lyrics, it's the, it's the instrumentation, and it's also the vocal quality and the fact that you really hear his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you know, singer-songwriters that sound amazing live, they'll have a CD and it's just so muffled and they, the music is like so much in front. You don't hear as how good the voice is. The, and the production it's value is so good. Voice, yeah. It's, it's so important that you can really hear it. And I felt that when I was listening to this album. Do you think it's had any impact on you as a creative? It kind of inspired me to, to to make those tapes. I am a writer, but I don't write poetry. So I decided to make the tapes because it was kind of my answer to the emotions that the album brought out in me. So that was my response to it creatively. So I, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it again or if you think of um, using it for poetry or writing on your blog or anything like that. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest inspiration from him was just, it was a, a good reminder for me to just keep reading mm. and just keep taking influences from different sources. I just think that he he influenced me to kind of think outside of the box when I'm reading stuff and, and just thinking like, what can I take from this? Like what kind of metaphors I can make? And he just reminded me how good it is to reference back to different sources. One of the other things he inspired me to do is just to be okay with being patient with myself, to take my time when I'm creative, because usually I'm very impatient with what it is I'm I'm trying to make. And I wonder if that's something that you can take from understanding how long it took him to to craft this album, just the patience um, in your own creativity. Yeah, definitely. I think patience is such a good lesson for anybody. Uh, Definitely me as a poet. There's a lot of things I want to do. And I'm always like hard on myself about the timeline of things, things not getting done when I want them to, Mm. Um, especially during this pandemic. I haven't really written much at all during this pandemic. I I wrote a couple poems here and there and I posted them, but I haven't really been proud of anything I've written in, in the last year. But the beautiful thing has been starting this YouTube channel and it's allowing me to kind of give myself the space to be patient because I feel like everything that I'm learning through listening to this music and making comments, you know, I can go back to those and remember some of the lessons I took from listening to the music. And I feel like in the next year, I will kind of have that moment where it's that overpouring of creativity, but it's just that patience of being like, why am I not able to write like I used to you know I don't have that trigger of like creative energy when it comes to writing like I used to so it's definitely teaching me patience in that regard Um, I would say this pandemic has had an impact on uh, most creators um, as far as the momentum and just being in the right mindset to create. A lot of people started it out like, oh, this is your time to be the most productive. And you're like, man, there's a lot of shit going on in the world and that is affecting my uh, creativity. One of the things I wanted to ask, because it's it's. Something that I notice when I move in fandom circles, I, I generally move in the safest spaces possible. And that generally for me includes fellow Black women fans and a lot of uh, Hosier's fan base, from my point of view, from my perspective, are fellow Black women. And if you've been a fan of his long enough, you know that he will subtly and very blatantly sort of call out his love and appreciation for Black women artists. Uh, and, And they are the ones that he notes as being of the most influence to him, particularly Nina Simone, Mavis Staples. There was that great song, Need to Cry Power, which is the first single off of Wasteland Baby. So have you thought about whether or not this album sort of impacted your appreciation for him as an artist as far as how he reflects his appreciation for Black women artists? I think that's great because I think sometimes, you know, when white artists, they take so much influence from Black artists that have you know, for decades created similar types of music, sometimes that art from the white artist can be elevated higher. And so I think the fact that he is referencing these artists that he took influence from, that just says so much about him and his character and how he feels about his music. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that. So that that's really, for me, even more reason to love him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can you can hear the authenticity in his music. It doesn't feel like he's copying anybody. It feels like it's coming from his heart and his soul, mm-hmm. but also influenced from different genres and different artists. Uh, yes, artists. absolutely. There's always this tendency to sort of um, highlight one uh, uh, type of influence of his over another. And when you listen to his music, he sort of runs the gamut of his musical influence, especially with his Irish heritage and folk music. There's a lot of th- layers to him. I think people often miss if they're only paying attention to Take Me to Church. <laughs> I just wanted to know, uh, lastly, ha- have you gone down that rabbit hole that a lot of us tend to do when they discover someone. A part of my journey was I knew who he was beforehand, but then after I listened to Wasteland Baby, I decided to go down a rabbit hole because I was like, oh, I had no idea that this guy, the take me to church guy, that this was what he was bringing. So did you do any of that? Are you in the middle of doing any of that? Yeah, I'm planning, I'm editing two reactions to different artists now, but the reason I haven't gone down the rabbit hole, because I absolutely would have, is because I want to have it on camera. (laughs) Um, I don't want to listen to anything beforehand, but I'm definitely going to listen to his first album, and I'm super excited about it. I think I listened to maybe one or two performances from Wasteland Baby, of him performing the songs, and like I said, going on his Instagram, and just reading the comments mostly. I mean, I love the fact that people are so passionate about music I just think that's so great there's there's a couple artists I cover on my page you know him being one of them where it's like you read the comments and you just you feel the love you know you feel the intensity of the people talking about him they're like did you know this and did you know the song like he actually (laughs) was made he didn't use pronouns and he did this and I'm like wow (laughs) learning so much about you know who he is and I just, it makes me love him that much more. I'm just so excited to see what people think when I listen to the first one. And I'm excited to hear those songs as well. He definitely has a passionate fan base. I would say there's a distinct difference between what I call baby Hozier. Because his first album, he was shot into fame. So there's that baby Hozier version of him. And then what I call grown ass man Hozier, where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, like seasoned <laughs> professional. So if you find any of those baby Hozier videos, it'll be interesting to see how you feel about the comparison to the, of the two. He's very much the same person, but his artistry has grown by leaps and bounds, I feel, even though he's very strong out the gate. So the last thing I'll ask you is, um, I don't know if you are the kind of person that likes to make playlists or mixtapes or anything like that. I know you ju- you said that music is very important to you creatively, but if you were to make a mixtape for Hozier and you had to put one song or artist on it that would embody the theme of the tape, just to convey a feeling or anything you might want to say to him about how his music has impacted you, what would that be? Probably like, once again, I mentioned it earlier, probably Tracy Chapman, um, some of her songs for sure, because she's such a great storyteller. And I feel like um, some of her music is very bluesy, very rhythmic. So I would definitely include her. Um, I was listening to a song called Say Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of oh, yeah. had that rhythmic um, or chorus line and some of the stuff from there. Um, but I also, I, I like his voice. It's, it's giving me a little bit of, um, I was listening to Sting and he has such an amazing voice as well. And so I kind of like the two of them, listening to them side by side. It's kind of fun. Yes, Tracy Tresman has a very unique voice. It's, it's smoky and um, I really miss her. Um, I, I know love new music from Tracy Chapman. I feel like she's one of these. I mean, people are aware of her, but she's so underrated, in my opinion, just like Hozier is. One of the things that frustrates me about being a Hozier fan is all people know is take me to church. And I feel like there's this whole other world of um, music that they should discover when they listen to this guy. He's a dynamic performer. He's very strong and very talented. So I'm just happy to have another fellow Black woman fan, another fellow creative, appreciating Hosiers as an artist. Um, thank you for letting me talk to you. <laughs> I know this is kind of weird. But Fine. Have you gotten to see him live? Twice, girl. Oh my god! It was one thing. Twenty twenty, Rob, for me is seeing live music. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if whenever we get past all of this and he goes on tour again, I definitely uh, I'm going to make it a priority to see him live again because he just is so good. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> he sounds exactly like he sounds on the record. Thank you again. I appreciate your Thank time. Thank you so much. It's been fun.
get into uh, the tracks on the B-side. What are they? What are we going to talk about? I love start talking about this song called What is Love by Howard Jones not Hathaway <laughs> Howard Jones that was released in 1984 on his album Humans Lib and it's a pop song but it has a lot of synth elements to it and that shit is from 1984? yeah girl one year after we were born <laughs> this does not sound like a 1984 song it's timeless and that's what I mean like I think all music is timeless well not all, but most modern. A lot of music feels it's timeless. Time. Yeah. So it does, it feels like, if you know, like nowadays how people are calling back to forms of music and genres with a slightly modern twist. This feels like something an artist would record today. Somebody like yeah. Harmar Superstar or somebody like that. That's an old to mm-hmm. 80s. Um, but yeah, this is an original. It is from 1984. And the lyrics are all about unrequited love, which, you know, Hozier is a writer who writes about not simply unrequited love, but basically just this burning love that exists within the one and is not as bright and burning in the other. Mm. So the lyrics oh, go, you know, damn, I love you. <laughs> I know, girl, I tell you. I love you whether or not you love me. I love you even if you think that I don't. Sometimes I find you doubt my love for you, but I don't mind. Why should I mind? What is love anyway? So when I heard this song, like, it just called to me, and I was like, this needs to go on the fucking playlist. It's kind of a perfect thing for a uh, super fan to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though the person that they fall find themselves sort of like obsessed with or fixated on, fixated on, mm-hmm. or feeling deep, empathetic, caring feelings for, even though they have no fucking idea, probably it doesn't change the fact that yeah. I'm over here loving on you, man, Hosey. Don't you kind of feel though that if you kind of think about it, it's it's mutual because he loves artists love their art and their desire to create it it is a a love affair so he's already putting out a lot of love in the painstaking crafting of the songs he's putting out love in what he creates and he's getting it back Via the appreciation that his fans give for, so it's not a, it's not like it's a yes. one way relationship. Yes, it's a two way relationship. Yeah, because I mean, he wouldn't want to be creating things in a vacuum, right? Yeah, so he or, does or things that he doesn't. Yeah, Here. right. The next song we're going to talk about um, is Baby Let Me Kiss You. This song you introduced me to, playing it, and I was like, this has to go. It has to go on. So, Baby Baby, Let Me Kiss You is a song by Fern Kenny. This is classed as dance electro music, but it's kind of disco. It's kind of synth. It's it's a kind of R&B or funk. And when I heard this song, it just took me to another damn place. It was just like, yeah. holy fucking shit. And yeah. I know, I, I know Hosier would appreciate this fucking song. It has every fucking thing. It has the range. Okay, it does. It, <laughs> it has the range. She has a range. I'm so happy that I know of this artist. There's a whole like conversation we can have about the death of disco and how it was, you know, rooted in racism. And every time, y'all motherfucking white people need yeah. to get off y'all shit. And so, so an artist like Fern Kenny is lost to time. And I'm so happy that I that you found this song and I heard this song and I put this on this playlist because it's like someone like Hozier would appreciate this this type of music lost to time needs to be shared this is a woman basically kissing up to her man like let me give you kisses. Let me love on you. And not in a sexual way, but also in a sexual way. This is me saying, I just want to kiss on you. I just want to love on you. I just want to shower you with love or quote, you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. appreciation. Mm-hmm. So it's cute. It's not, I'm not trying to be, I mean, I am kind of trying to be saucy. 
It's salty. But it's not like... <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's an eight minute long song and God help me, I could not edit it off. This tape gave me so much of a headache because it's still like, it still didn't, like the last cut didn't quite, like it was like, it was almost, and it just cut off at the end. <laughs> so, and then, and, and, and the that's next. That's pretty authentic though, having a yeah. mixtape that's like, Blink. yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> and then make it to the end of this tape. So the last song we're going to talk about, and it's the last, it is actually the last song on the, on the B side of the tape, is one of our ultimate all-time favorite songs me and you you no, know you is. love this damn yes, song it is, it's one of my it is songs. the aeroplane remix of the friendly fires paris now if you've heard the original song it's just the dudes from the friendly fire singing it but this version <laughs> there's anything wrong with that i mean no you know but it sounds very like you know it doesn't sound like this that's for damn sure but th- yeah this version is definitely it's just such a fun song <laughs> So this features vocals from Au Revoir, Simone. This is the Aeroplane remix, and it was released in 2008. So the original album is synth pop, AZ, alternative dance, and this remix is very disco, and I prefer this version. This version is seven minutes long, almost eight minutes long. Something about this song is so romantic. It's so fanciful. It's a it's a whole fantasy. This is a person telling the person that they love and support, I'm going to take you to Paris. We're going to live it up. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to have the perfect life in this future that we're both striving towards. It is, and it's just a simple thing you say to somebody you are in love with, you know, in that magic hour of a relationship where you're just like, all of your ideals are like laid bare. And you're like, this is the future that I envision for us. And it's just such a fun song. It's just such a fun, fun song.
Holy shit. Holy shit. That is it for this episode. That's it for this episode, man. Episode. Well, for me. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. I've been thinking about this podcast for forever, feeling guilty that it's been on the back burner and really wanting to finish it up. You know, because I do plan on having a second season and I am already thinking about what I'm going to do for the second season. Uh, uh, we, we. <laughs> Feel Most, like, mostly you. I always feel like I just like roped you into me, doing me this. Sometimes. I'm, I'm here sometimes. But 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 next season, you know, we're I gonna can do stuff. Yes, we're gonna have you make mixes and and you know, like we're gonna play around with a lot of stuff. And I'm 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 really excited about it. So looking forward to that. In our next episode, just in time for Valentine's Day, we're gonna be going through the tracks of the sixth tape in the set titled "Imagine Love." Just that. That's the title, and that is the theme. I was struck by a line in one of Wasteland Baby's most popular tracks, Talk, popular among his fans. (laughs) And the track is called Talk. I don't think it was a single. In which Hozier sort of seductively whispers, imagine being loved by me. Mm, mm, mm. And I accepted that challenge, good sir, because, hey, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. So... So Imagine Love is a collection of songs that to me speak to imagining love in all its forms. And that's going to be R&B and soul heavy, but you know, we're going to keep it classy. We're going to keep it cute. So I'm very excited to get into that. And we may or may not get into Hosier's sex appeal or, you know, like what I feel is his sex appeal, what a lot of his fans feel yeah. is his sex appeal. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Talent is sexy. So I think you're going to want to tune in for that. I hope you're going to want to tune in for that. Thank you guys for sticking around with us and being patient with us. We're going to make these last five episodes dynamite. Dynamite. And stay tuned for announcements on the second season. Peace.